We're going to be learning in Chidusha Abinu Chaim Alevi, the third piece in Elchus Tumas Mace. This is Parakid Aleph, Halacha Aleph. And Rab Chaim is discussing the issue which is discussed in the Gemara, and the Rambam rules on it whether land outside of Eretz Yisrael, the airspace, is also Tameh. So what's clear is that the rabbis made a decree that all of the land outside of Israel is Tameh, but it's not clear if that decree is only on the land or it also includes the airspace. The Rambam rules Eretz Ha'amim B'tchila Gozra Al-Gusha Bilvad. Originally, the rabbis decreed that the land outside of Israel, the Eretz Ha'amim, is Tameh, but only the ground itself, Kebes Pras, like another decree of the rabbis in a field where we think someone's buried, but we don't know where the body is, so the rabbis decreed Tuma on that field. So again, it's on the land, but not on the airspace. So the only way to become Tameh outside of Israel was to either walk on the land or to touch it or to carry it. Then the rabbis instituted another decree that the airspace also is Tameh. Even if a person didn't touch or carry the ground, the dirt, even if he just stuck his head and most of his body outside of Eretz Yisrael, just into the airspace, so there was no actual contact with the land, he still becomes Tameh. Then in the next halacha, the Rambam continues that Tumas Avir, the Tuma from the airspace, is more lenient in certain ways than the Tumas Afra, the Tuma that comes from the ground. And the two distinctions the Rambam makes is that if something touches the ground, sorfin trumos v'kadshim, if it's truma or sanctified meat, so then it gets burned. And if a person comes in contact with the land, so they have the full status of a tame mace, as if they touched a dead body, they have to wait seven days and they need to be sprinkled on the third and the seventh day. But someone who only came into the airspace, they didn't have contact with the actual land of Eretz Ha'amim, so they don't need to be sprinkled on the third and seventh day. And if it's truma and kudshim, it doesn't get burned for coming into the airspace outside of Eretz Yisrael. So basically the Rambam rules that there is a special tuma not only on the land outside of Eretz Yisrael, but even on the airspace, but that tuma is one notch lower than the tuma of the land. Now, the source for this discussion is the Gemara in Nazir, Nandal, Ramad Beis. The Gemara says, There's a question, is the reason why someone goes into the airspace of Eretz Ha'amim, Tameh, is that a separate decree? So the rabbis decreed that the land is Tameh as well as the airspace. Or is the airspace a problem because it's above the land? So anyone that's over the land where we assume that there are dead bodies in it, so they have Tumas Ohel because they're hovering over a dead body. So there's both a leniency and a stringency in both of these cases. If it's a separate decree on the airspace, so that's a lower form of Tuma than the land because the land actually has dead bodies in it. The airspace obviously doesn't. But there's also a leniency the other way because if the only problem is in the land and being in the air is because someone's over the land, so then if they go 
in in a box or some sort of structure which breaks between them and the land, then they could go into Eretz Ha'amim that way. So there's going to be both a leniency and a stringency either way. So now the Gemara brings a proof because the Brisa says that someone who goes into the airspace of Eretz Ha'amim has to do sprinkling on the third and seventh day. So that indicates that they have the full status of as if they came into contact with a dead body. So the Gemara says that can't be if there's a separate decree on the airspace alone, separate from the land, because that wouldn't be such a strict form of Tumah. So it must be that going into the airspace of Eretz Ha'amim is a problem because the person's hovering over the land which has dead bodies in it. That's why they have the full status of Tamei Mace and they need to be sprinkled on the third and the seventh. So the Gemara answers, We could in fact defend the other approach that there is a separate decree on the airspace and the Brisa is not referring to that case when it says that the person needs to be sprinkled on the third and seventh day. It's talking about other cases. So at the end of the day, it's clear to the Gemara that if there is a separate decree on the airspace, the person does not have the full status of Tamei Mace and they don't need to be sprinkled on the third and seventh day. And we could read the Brisa in line with that, that it's not saying anything different. Obviously, the other approach that says that the whole tumma of being in the airspace is because they're in Ohel over the land would say that they do need to get sprinkled on the third and seventh day. So the Rambam is ruling like that solution in the Gemara, and that's why he rules that there is a separate decree on the airspace alone. So if someone goes into the airspace, as the Gemara said, it's more lenient, and they're not going to need to get sprinkled on the third and the seventh day. So the source for these rulings in the Rambam and his distinction that the airspace is more lenient than the land comes from this discussion in the Gemara. But the problem with the Rambam's rulings is why did he take a side in a question that the Gemara leaves unresolved? The Gemara left a standing issue. The Gemara was unable to resolve whether the Tumah of the airspace of Eretz Ha'amim is a separate decree or it's because the person is hovering over the land. The Gemara did not have a resolution to that. So why is the Rambam taking a definitive stand? So first, Rab Chaim suggests that maybe the Rambam is not, in fact, taking a stand, even though it sounds like in his language that he is, but maybe, in fact, he's just ruling leniently in all cases because he considers it a suffake, an unresolved question. And the rule is, anytime there's a question in a rabbinic issue, which this is, we always go leniently. So when the Rambam rules that someone who goes into the airspace doesn't need to be sprinkled on the third and the seventh, that's just because it's a leniency. But if there would follow a stringency from the view that the airspace is a separate decree, then the Rambam would also rule leniently in that case. So he's consistently trying to apply the leniency because it's an unresolved issue. But, says Rab Chaim, that's not going to work because in Halacha Hay, the Rambam rules about cases where someone goes into Eretz Ha'amim but in unusual terrain. So he says if they go onto the mountains or rocks, they're still tame. We treat that like regular land. But if they enter into the ocean in Eretz Ha'amim or the Mokom Shehayam Ola Bizafo, the place where the waves come up, so it's not practical land that anyone could use. So in those places, they're tahor because we don't treat that like regular land. But says the Rambam, even though there's no tuma on the land, there is tuma on the airspace. So here the Rambam is using 
using the tumma of the airspace as a stringency, because if it's just a leniency, then in this case, we should also rule leniently and say that over the ocean, the airspace is not tame because the land is not tame. So since the Rambam rules that the airspace over the ocean is tame, that indicates that he consistently rules that the airspace is tame. He does not believe that it's a doubt and he's not ruling leniently in all cases, but he is consistently, whether it's a leniency, whether it's a stringency, ruling that the airspace is its own decree that on its own, aside from the land, it also has tuma. So now the question is, where did the Rambam get that when the Gemara leaves it as an unresolved question? Now, there's an even bigger problem with the Rambam because the Gemara seems to actually resolve it in the other direction, that the only tuma is on the land and the problem with the airspace is because the person is over the land. Because the Gemara tries to resolve this question, it quotes a debate between Rabbi Yudah Nasi and Rabbi Yossi Rabbi Yehuda in a case of If someone goes into Eretz Ha'amim in a box or in a casket, so they're protected from Tumas Ohel of the Eretz Ha'amim, they are not hovering halachically over the land of Eretz Ha'amim. So Rebbe's metame, Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yudah metaher. It's a debate whether they're tame or they're tahor. So the Gemara suggests that this debate centers on whether there's a separate tuma on the airspace or it's just because of ohel. Rebbe who holds that they're tame in a box holds that there's a separate decree of tuma on the airspace. So even though there's no ohel in that case, but since they are in the airspace, even though they're in a box, they're still tame. And Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda, who holds that they're tahor, he holds that there's no separate decree on the airspace. The only problem would have been ohel over the ground, but since in this case it's broken by the box, so they're tahor. So that's how the Gemara tries to explain this debate between Rebbe and Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda, in which case we would have resolved our original question, is there a separate decree on the airspace or not? It turns out that it's a debate between these two Tanayim. So the Gemara says, no, there is a way to read the Brisa that that's not their debate. The Kuli Alma Mishum Gusha. Rather, everyone agrees that there is no separate decree on the airspace. The only decree was on the actual land. And what they're arguing about is Ohel Zaruk Shmei Ohel. Whether a moving Ohel is considered a proper Ohel to break between the person and the land. So Rebbe holds that the person is Tameh because even though they're in a box, which is an Ohel, but since this Ohel is traveling, it's not stationary, it does not have the halacha of an Ohel, so it does not break between them and the land. So halachically, we see it as if they're levitating in space, so they're still Tameh. Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda holds, even though it's moving, it's still considered a valid Ohel, so it breaks between the person and the land, and they're not Tameh. So now it's clear that on this interpretation of the Brisa, there is no separate decree on the airspace because the only thing this box might be doing is protecting the person from the tuma in the land. It's not a closed box that it's protecting them from tuma throughout the airspace. So since Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda holds that it breaks between the person and the land and that's enough to say that they're tahor, it must be that there is no separate tuma flying around in the air other than whatever's coming from the land. Now in the Gemara and Eruvin Lama 
Lamed and Chagiga Chafhei, it quotes this Brisa and it assumes this interpretation that the debate is over Ohel Zaruk Shmei Ohel, whether a traveling Ohel is considered an Ohel. So if that's the standard interpretation that the Gemara understands to be authoritative, and we know from the Gemara in Nazir that according to that interpretation, everybody has to hold that there is no Tuma in the airspace independent of the land. So why is the Rambam ruling against the standard interpretation of the Gemara in Erevin and Chagiga, and instead the Rambam rules like the other approach that there is an independent decree on the airspace. So not only is the question unresolved, but there's strong evidence that the Gemara actually resolves it in favor of the view that there is no independent Tumah on the airspace, only on the land. So why does the Rambam go against that consensus and rule that there is an independent Tumah on the airspace? And even more problematic is that when the Rambam records the view of Rebbe that going into Eretz Ha'amim in a box is still Tameh, so he writes, If someone goes into Eretz Ha'amim in a box, so they're Tameh, like Rebbe, and he explains, Because a traveling Ohel is not an Ohel. So the Rambam explains the stringency of Rebbe regarding someone who's in a box based on the idea that it's not called in Ohel, which is how the Gemara explains it according to the approach that there is no Tumah on the Avir. But the Rambam himself holds that the Avir is Tameh. And if the airspace is Tameh, we don't need to say that this is not a valid Ohel. Because even if it is a valid Ohel, it only protects him from the ground. It doesn't protect him from the airspace. So the simplest explanation the Rambam could have given is that according to Rebbe, the airspace itself is Tameh. And that's why the person in a box is still Tameh. So why does the Rambam give the explanation that the Gemara suggests according to the other view that there is no Tumas Avir if the Rambam practically holds that there is Tumas Avir? Now, Rab Chaim says there is a possible solution for the Rambam. Maybe he's referring to a slightly different case than the Gemara. In the case of the Gemara, the box is open on top. So that's why it doesn't protect from the airspace Tumah only from the Tumah underneath it in the ground. Whereas the case of the Rambam might be where the box is fully enclosed. So it protects not only from the ground underneath, but also from the Tumas Avir. So that's why the Rambam has to insert that there's still a problem because it's an Ohel Zaruk. It's not a real Ohel, so it's not enough to protect. So that is a possible way to make sense of how the Rambam could fit into the Gemara. But Rab Chaim says it wouldn't make any sense. Why would the Rambam change the case of the Gemara in order to give his own explanation? when he could have just used the same case as the Gemara where the box is open on top and the reason why the person is still Tameh according to Rebbe is because of Tumas Avir. There's no reason for the Rambam to slightly change the case and then to have to give a different explanation from the Gemara when according to his rulings he has a much simpler explanation. So there are three problems with the Rambam's ruling that Tumas Avir is independent of the Tuma in the land. One is that the Gemara leaves this unresolved Resolved, whereas the Rambam seems to take a specific side. Second is that the Gemara seems to assume the debate between Rebbe and Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda is over whether a moving Ohel is considered an Ohel, which assumes that there is no independent Tumas Avir. And third, the Rambam himself records that interpretation, and yet he still holds that there's independent Tumas Avir. So to answer these questions, Rab Chaim now goes through a somewhat technical analysis of the next few steps in the Gemara in Nazir. So we 
already saw that the Gemara quotes a brisa with a debate between Rebbe and Rebbe Yossi, Rebbe Yehuda, in a case where someone goes into Eretz Ha'amim in a box, whether they're Tameh. And at first, the Gemara suggested that that debate is whether there's independent Tomas Avir or only Toma on the ground. Then the Gemara said that everyone holds the only Toma is on the ground. And the debate is whether Ohel Zaruk, a moving Ohel, has the halachic status of an Ohel to protect the person from the Tuma of the ground. So now the Gemara continues the Hatanya that there's a Brisa which relates to this. Rabbi Yosi, Rabbi Yudah, Omer, Kalim, If someone had a box filled with vessels and they throw it over a dead person in an Ohel, so everything in the box becomes Tameh. But if the box was placed down stationary, so then it's Tahora. Then it protects the vessels in the box. So there's going to be two ways to interpret what the Gemara wants from this Brisa. The first comes from the Rashi on Nazir, which is not actually Rashi. So Rab Chaim's going to refer to it as the Mefaresh, the commentator. And the second one comes from Rabbeinu Hananel, which is quoted by Tosvos on Nazir. The issue is that the word Vehatanya, there's a Brisa, can mean two things. Generally, it means that it's a question, that whatever the Gemara just said is now being questioned from a Brisa. But it can also sometimes mean a support. So whatever the Gemara just said is also supported by a brisa. So there's a debate between the Mefaresh and Rabbeinu Hananel whether this Vahatanya in the Gemara is a question or it's supporting what the Gemara just interpreted. So first we'll go through the Gemara according to the Mefaresh's explanation and then we'll go through Rabbeinu Hananel. So the Mefaresh explains that the question on what the Gemara just said is that the Gemara interpreted the reason why a person in a box is Tahor according to Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda, is because Ohel Zaruk is considered an Ohel. The problem is that in the brisa of the box filled with vessels, there Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda holds that if the box is traveling over a dead body, it's still Tameh. So that clearly indicates Ohel Zaruk is not in Ohel. Only if the box is stationary is it considered an Ohel. So Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda, and that brisa makes clear that a traveling Ohel is not considered an Ohel. So that now questions the Gemara's interpretation that the debate between Rebbe and Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda is over the issue of whether an Ohel Zaruk is an Ohel. Because now Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda is contradicting himself from this new brisa. So the Gemara answers El a whole new interpretation. Both Rebbe and Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda agree that there is a decree of Tuma on the airspace independently. And the debate between them is whether in an unusual case the rabbis made a decree. So traveling in a box is an unusual case. So that's why Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda holds even though in general there is Tuma on the airspace space, but not in such a strange case where someone goes in in a box. Whereas Rebbe holds that even though it's a very unusual case, but still it's included in the rabbi's decree that there is Tumah on the airspace. So that's why he's Tameh. So the debate between Rebbe and Rebbe Yossi, Rebbe Yehuda is whether the decree on the airspace extends even to unusual cases. But every
everybody agrees that there is a decree on the airspace. So even though Ohel Zaruk is considered a valid Ohel, that only protects from the Tumah of the ground, not from the Tumah of the airspace. So that's how the Mefarish interprets this step of the Gemara. And according to him, the Gemara is totally backing off from the suggestion that the debate is about Ohel Zaruk, that issue. And the Gemara also seems to be siding with the view that there is independent Tumas Avir, not just on the ground. Now, Rabbeinu Hananel has a totally different way to understand this. He says that the Vahatanya is supporting the original suggestion that the debate is over Ohel Zarok. And the reason is because according to Rabbeinu Hananel, nobody holds that when the Ohel Zarok is actually moving, it's still considered an Ohel. There's an explicit Mishnah in Ohelos chapter 8, which says that a bird that's flying or a cloth that's moving is not considered an Ohel. So it's very clear that when the Ohel is moving, it's not an Ohel. The only debate of Ohel Zarok is when the moving Ohel is now stationary. So it's the type of object which could be moved, but at this moment in time, it's standing still over something. So there, there's a debate. So according to the Mefarish, the debate of Ohel Zarok is when it's actually traveling, whereas according to Rabbeinu Hananel, it's an item which could be moving, but right now it's stationary. So that's the proof from the Brisa that Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda says that when the box is actually moving, it's not considered an Ohel. And that's of course. But when it's stationary, it is considered an Ohel. So that proves that according to him, Ohel Zaruk is a valid Ohel. So that proves the original approach of the Gemara that the debate between them is over Ohel Zaruk. And Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda holds that it is an Ohel when it's stationary. So in the case of the person in the box, it's talking about when the box is stationary and therefore they're Tahar. So basically the Mefaresh brings a proof from the first case of the Brisa when the box is actually moving, it's not an Ohel. And Rabbeinu Hananel's proof is from the second case of the Brisa where the box which could move is now stationary and it is considered an Ohel. So according to Rabbeinu Hananel, the Gemara is not backing off of the original suggestion that everyone holds the Tumah is only in the ground and the debate is over Ohel Zaruk. That is a valid suggestion. And then the Gemara says, there's another possibility, which is the other approach that everyone holds. There is independent Tumas Avir, and the debate is whether they made Xera on an unusual case. But according to Rabbeinu Hananel, both of these approaches are now valid. So there is a variant reading, because according to the Mefarish, the Gemara backs off and says, Ella de Kulialma. Instead of the first suggestion, we're going with the second suggestion. Whereas according to Rabbeinu Hananel, it says, that the first suggestion is valid and the second one is as well. Now this whole debate between the Mefarish and Rabbeinu Hananel, Rab Chaim is going to explore at much greater length in the next piece. The next step in the Gemara now is again Vihatanya. It quotes a Brisa. If someone goes into Eretz Ha'amim in a box, so they're Tahor. But if they go in in a ship, so even though that's a movable Ohel, but they're still Tameh. So this Vihatanya is clearly a supportive Vihatanya. This Brisa is supporting the Gemara's reading because it's differentiating within Reb Yossi, Reb Yehuda, that he only holds a person in a box is Tahar, but in a ship, they're still Tameh. Now, both of these are in Ohel Zaruk. They're both moving Ohels. So why should Reb Yossi, Reb Yehuda differentiate? So this makes sense according to the Gemara's approach that in general, Reb Yossi, Reb Yehuda holds there is Tumas Avir. 
So the person should be Tameh, but since going in a box is unusual, so there's no decree there, and that's why they're Tahor. But entering in a large ship is, of course, a very normal way of traveling. So since that's not unusual, in that case, they are Tameh. So this Brisa supports the Gemara's interpretation of Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda. And then the Gemara offers a third suggestion that Rebbe, who holds the person in the box is Tameh, agrees that the only Tumah is in the ground. And he also agrees that a moving Ohel is considered an Ohel. So why is there Tumah in this case if the person is protected from the ground? So the answer is a Gezeira. The rabbis made a decree because they're concerned that the person may lean outside of the box. So a majority of their body will be over over the land of Eretz Ha'amim. So they decreed that even without that, he's already Tameh to prevent any confusion. Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda holds that there was no decree. And again, the Gemara quotes Vahatanya, again, a supportive brisa that Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda holds that someone traveling in a box is Tahor unless he puts his head and a majority of his body outside of the box over the land of Eretz Ha'amim. So this proves that Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda holds there was no preemptive decree out of concern that a person may lean outside of the box, but rather they're tahor unless and until they actually do lean outside of the box. So those are the steps of the Gemara that Rab Chaim's going to analyze. There's a suggestion that everybody holds the Tumah is from the land. The debate is whether a movable Ohel is an Ohel. There's another approach that everybody holds there's Tumas Avir, and the debate is whether it applies to an unusual entry. And there's a third suggestion that everybody holds the Tumah is in the land, and the debate is whether there's a decree out of concern that a person's going to lean outside of the box. So now Rab Chaim asks that there seems to be an inconsistency no matter how we interpret this within the view of Rabbi Yossi Rabbi Yehuda. Because on the one hand, we have a brisa where he explicitly says that if someone leans outside of the box over the land, they're Tameh. So it's very clear that he holds there's Tumah in the land and not in the airspace because if there is Tumah in the airspace, so as soon as that box opens even a crack, the person's already Tameh. So since Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda holds that even though the box is open, the person is not Tameh unless they lean out of it, indicates that he holds there is no Tumas Avir, there's only Tumah in the land. But that, of course, is not going to fit in with the middle suggestion of the Gemara that Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda holds there is Tumas Avir. And the Gemara quoted a brisa to support that because the view that holds that someone who enters in a box is Tahor agrees that if they enter in a ship, they're still Tameh. So if the only Tumah is in the ground, why doesn't the ship protect them from that Tumah? So it must be that even Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda agrees that there's Tumas Avir and that's why the person standing on the ship becomes Tameh. So now we have a contradiction within Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda, however you make sense of the original Brisa, because on the one hand, he's indicating that there is no Tumas Avir. There's only Tumas Gusha in the ground. And on the other hand, he's clearly saying that someone standing on a boat becomes Tameh because of Tumas Avir. So how do we resolve this contradiction within Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda? So in the third paragraph, Rabbi Chaim tries a first answer to this question. He suggests that when the Gemara said there's no decree on an unusual entry, that only refers to Tumas Avir. But 
but it does not refer to Tumas Gusha. So when it comes to Tumas Avir, anyone that enters in an unusual way is not going to become Tameh. But when it comes to Tumas Gusha, even an unusual entry is still going to become Tameh. So if that's the case, then we could make sense of the different Brises of Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda, that he does in fact hold there's Tumas Avir. But Tumas Avir does not apply to an unusual entry. So someone entering in a box is not going to become Tameh because of Tumas Avir. So that's why even though the box is open, they're not Tameh. But if this person now leans over the ground, so again, even though it's an unusual entry, that makes no difference when it comes to Tumas Gusha. So since they leaned over the ground, they've now become Tameh. So that explains how that Brisa fits in with Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda. And the other Brisa that someone entering on a ship is Tameh also makes sense because Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda agrees that there is Tumas Avir when someone enters in a usual way. So since entering on a ship is normal, so they become Tameh from the Avir. So this seems like a good way to make sense of the different Brises in Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda, but Rabbi Chaim says it's not going to work because he makes a key point in the whole discussion of the Gemara. According to the approach that there's Tumas Avir, what that means is that there is only Tumas Avir to the exclusion of Tumas Gusha. So the only way someone in the airspace of Eretz Ha'amim could become Tameh is through the Rabbi's decree on the Avir. But there is no Tumas Avir hell from being over the Tumas Gusha. So the standard way of reading this is that there is Tuma in the ground, which includes touching it or carrying it or hovering over it because of Tumas Ohel. And the question of the Gemara is whether in addition to all that, they added another decree on the airspace independently or not. Reb Chaim is rereading this question that the Gemara is saying, if there's Tumas Avir, then there is no Tumas Ohel on the ground of Eretz Ha'amim. And if there is no Tumas Avir, so then there is Tumas Ohel Mishum Gusha. So those are the two sides of the Gemara. They're to the exclusion of each other. So at the end of the day, there's always going to be only one way that a person could become Tameh in the airspace of Eretz Ha'amim either through Ohel over the ground or through Tomas Avir independently. And Rab Chaim's proof for this more radical interpretation is because when the Rambam records these halachas, he rules that someone in the airspace of Eretz Ha'amim is never going to have the status of Tame Mace. They're not going to need sprinkling on the third and seventh day. The only way to get that higher status of Tuma, says the Rambam, is if someone touches or carries the ground the dirt of Eretz Ha'amim. So then they become full Tameh Mace. But the Rambam does not include the case of someone hovering over the land of Eretz Ha'amim because of Ohel. So why shouldn't that also give the person the status of Tameh Mace that they need the Hazza'ah on the third and seventh day? So the fact that the Rambam omits Ohel over Eretz Ha'amim indicates, like Rab Chaim saying, that since there's independent Tumas Avir, there is no more Ohel hell over the land. So the only way to get Tameh from the land is touching or carrying it. And the only way to become Tameh in the airspace is because of Tomas Avir, which does not include the status of Tameh Mace. And Rab Chaim adds that not only is there evidence for this reading from the Rambam's rulings, but there's also a proof from the Gemara itself. 
Because the Gemara asks on the view that there's Tumas Avir from the Brisa that says that someone that goes into the airspace of Eretz Ha'amim needs Hazaah on the third and the seventh day, which is more stringent than they would require because of Tumas Avir. So the Gemara's question is that this Brisa proves there is no Tumas Avir because the Tumah of being in the airspace of Eretz Ha'amim is because of Ohel. Says Rab Chaim, what kind of question is that? Maybe there's both. So the person who goes into Eretz Ha'amim requires Hazaah on the third and seventh day because of the Tumas Ohel. But in addition, there's also a decree on Tumas Avir. So we see in the Gemara that these two are exclusive. If there's Tumas Avir, then there's no Tumas Ohel in Eretz Ha'amim. So if the Brisa says that there is Tumas Ohel in Eretz Ha'amim, it means to the exclusion of Tumas Avir. So basically from the Gemara and the Rambam, it seems clear that these two decrees of Tumas Ohel over the ground of Eretz Ha'amim and Tumas Avir cannot coexist. They're mutually exclusive. And Rab Chaim adds that this even makes logical sense because these two types of Tumah are totally different. Tumas Avir is a new form of Tumah that the airspace itself imparts Tumah. Whereas if the Tumah of being in the airspace of Eretz Ha'amim is because of Tumas Ohel over the ground, so that's the regular form of Tumas Ohel, and the Gemara itself makes this distinction because it says that Tumas Avir would not require sprinkling on the third and seventh, whereas Tomas Ohel from the Gusha would. So we see that these are two totally different ways of imparting Tuma. One comes from the rules of Tomas Ohel. The other is a totally new invention for the airspace of Eretz Ha'amim. So it makes sense that these two can't coexist. Either the rabbi said that the airspace on its own gives off Tuma, or they said that there's Tomas Ohel on the ground, but it can't be both. So now returning to Rab Chaim's answer for the contradicting Bryce's in Rab Yossi, Rab Yehuda, says, Rab Chaim, if Tumas Avir and Tumas Ohel are mutually exclusive, then his solution is not going to work because his solution is based on the idea that Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda holds there's two forms of Tumah on the airspace of Eretz Ha'amim. One is Tumas Avir, only when there's a usual entry, and the other is Tumas Ohel, even when there's an unusual entry. So that assumes that both of these types of Tumah could coexist together. But now that Rab Chaim is saying they're mutually exclusive, so if Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda holds of Tumas Avir, that means there is no Tumas Ohel over the ground of Eretz Ha'amim. So the solution Rab Chaim suggested in this paragraph is not going to work. So in the final paragraph, Rab Chaim proposes a new solution to the contradicting Brisas in Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda. And this is a modified version of his first approach, but it resolves the question that he just asked on that answer. Rab Chaim suggests that when the Gemara says within Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda, that the rabbis did not make a decree on the Avir in an unusual entry, there's a condition to that idea. And that is that only when suspending the Tumas Avir is going to protect them from Tumas Ohel, in that case, the rabbis did not make a decree of Tumas Avir in an unusual entry. But when there's anyways Tumas Ohel, so then even though it's an unusual entry, the rabbis still instituted Tomas Avir. So basically, Rab Chaim is adding another condition to what the Gemara said. The Gemara said that there's no Tomas Avir in an unusual entry, and Rab Chaim is adding that there also can't be Tomas Ohel in that situation. But if there's Tomas Ohel,
Ohel, then that would cause the Tumas Avir to kick back in. So this is now going to resolve the contradiction of the Brises in Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda, because Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda holds that there is Tumas Avir. But if someone enters in an unusual way, so if someone comes in in a box, then there's no Tumas Avir. So that's why if the box is opened and they're inside of the box, they're not Tamei, because it's an unusual entry. But if they lean out of the box over the ground, so even though there's no Tumas Ohel, but since this is a situation where there is an Ohel, they're leaning over the ground, so the Tumas Avir kicks back in, and they become Tamei, not because of Tumas Ohel, because again, there is no decree of Tumas Ohel on the Gusha, on the ground, but in that case, they're Tamei because they did Ohel, and therefore the Tumas Avir made them Tamei. So that also explains why if they come in on a boat, they're Tamei, because since that's a normal form of entry, so Tumas Avir applies, and that's why they become Tamei. So this is going to resolve the contradiction in the two Brises of Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda. But now, says Rab Chaim, the validity of this approach is going to depend on the debate between Rabbeinu Hananel and the Mefaresh, how to interpret the Gemara's steps. Because part of their debate is whether Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda holds that an Ohel Zaruk is a valid Ohel. According to Rabbeinu Hananel, it is, and he proves that from the second case of the Brisa, whereas according to the Mefaresh, Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda holds that an Ohel Zaruk is not an Ohel, and he proves that from the first case of the Brisa. So according to Rabbeinu Hananel, that Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda holds an Ohel Zaruk is a valid Ohel, so Rabbi Chaim's approach works, because in the case where he comes in in a box, he's protected from the ground, there is no Ohel so long as he's in the box. So that's why there's no Tumas Avir. But if he leans out of the box, so now there's Tumas Ohel, so that kicks in the Tumas Avir. So Rab Chaim's approach works according to Rabbeinu Hananel. But according to the Mefaresh, the whole time he was in the box, he still was an Ohel over the land because a moving Ohel is not a valid Ohel according to Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda. So there was nothing protecting him from the ground. He was the Ohel over the ground and still there was no Tomas Avir. So we see that even though the person was in Ohel, there's still no Tomas Avir. So Rab Chaim's approach is not going to work according to this because Rab Chaim's suggesting that when there's no Ohel, there's no Tomas Avir. And when there's an Ohel, then there is Tomas Avir. But the Mefarish is saying very clearly in Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda, that even though the person is in Ohel, there's still no Tomas Avir. Now the question on the Mefarish's approach is going to be, what's the difference if the person is in the box or they lean outside of the box. Because when they're in the box, they're still in Ohel, according to the Mefarish, because a moving Ohel is not in Ohel. And still there's no Tomas Avir. So what does it matter if they then lean out of the box? How does that change anything? So Rab Chaim says, obviously there has to be a difference between when they're in the box or when they're leaning over the box. And maybe we could say that if there's any chatzitza, any separation between them and the ground, so then there's no Tomas Avir. But if they're directly above the ground, so there is no separation, then there is Tomas Avir. So we have to say something along those lines. But either way, the Mefarish cannot differentiate between if there's Ohel or not, because it's clear that in both cases, the person is being Ma'ahil. They are hovering over the land, and still there's no Tomas Avir. So Rab Chaim's idea that Tomas Avir only applies when the person is being Ma'ahil can only work in Rabbeinu Hananel's reading of the Gemara. And Rab Chaim adds that a 
according to Rabbeinu Hananel's interpretation of the Gemara, there's even proof for Rab Chaim's approach that Tumas Avir depends on whether the person is in a situation of Ohel, because as we saw earlier, the Gemara elsewhere in Erevin and Chagiga accepts the interpretation of the Brisa that they're arguing about whether a moving Ohel is considered an Ohel. So that seems to assume that the Tumah is in the ground, and the debate is whether this person was Ma'ahil, they had Tumas Ohel over that land or not. But this is a problem because as we've seen, the Gemara in Nazir is uncertain why there's Tumah in the airspace of Eretz Ha'amim. Is it because of Ohel or is it because of Tumas Avir independently? So why are these Gemaras taking a stand when it's unclear in the Gemara in Nazir which approach is correct? And furthermore, there's even a Brisa which supports the Tumas Avir position because the Brisa says, according to Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda, that if someone's standing on a ship, they do become Tameh. And according to Rabbi that's clearly because of Tomas Avir, because an Ohel Zaruk is a valid Ohel. So it doesn't matter that the ship is moving. It still blocks the Tuma from the ground. So the only reason this person could be Tameh is because of Tomas Avir. The Mefaresh could have argued that the reason for that Brisa is because there's Tuma underneath and an Ohel Zaruk is not an Ohel. But according to Rabbeinu Hananel, it has to be because of Tomas Avir. So we have a Brisa that proves in Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda, that it's because of Tumas Avir. So why are these other Gemaras accepting the alternate interpretation that Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda holds Ohel Zaruk Shmei Ohel and the Tumah comes from the ground? If the Gemara in Nazir has an explicit Brisa that he holds the Tumah comes from the Avir. Says Rab Chaim very brilliantly that using his approach, we can answer this question as well. Because Rab Chaim's whole idea is that even according to the view of Tomas Avir, it's still relevant to know whether the box is in Ohel or not. Because in a case of unusual entry, a milsed lo shchicha, there's no Tomas Avir unless the person is in Ohel over the land, in which case there is Tomas Avir. So this person coming in a box, which is an unusual entry, according to Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda, if the box is in Ohel, then it's going to break between the person and the ground and their tahor. But if the box is not in Ohel, then the person is in Ohel over the ground. So even though it's an unusual entry, there's still Tomas Avir. So according to Rab Chaim, even the view that says there's an independent Tumas Avir agrees that Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda holds that Ohel Zaruk is a valid Ohel. That's the reason why the person is Tahor. Because Rab Chaim brings these two issues together. It's not totally separate whether Ohel Zaruk is considered an Ohel and whether Tumas Avir is independently Tameh, but rather in the case of an unusual entry, the two issues overlap. So that's why the Gemaras in Erevin and Chagiga can assume Assume that the issue of Ohel Zaruk Shmei Ohel is part of the debate between Rebbe and Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda, even according to the approach that there is independent Tumas Avir. So now, using this, Rab Chaim is able to answer his three questions on the Rambam. The first question was, why does the Rambam rule conclusively that there is independent Tumas Avir? When the Gemara is inconclusive, it does not resolve which of these two approaches we follow. So the answer is because according to Rabbeinu Hananel, there is an explicit 
explicit brisa which says Tomas Avir, which is the brisa that someone coming in on a ship is Tameh, and according to Rabbeinu Hananel, that must be because of Tomas Avir, because Ohel Zaruk is a valid Ohel. So the person cannot be Tameh from the ground, they have to be Tameh from the Avir, and in line with that brisa, the Rambam rules that there is independent Tomas Avir. The second question was why the Rambam rules according to the approach of Tomas Avir when the consensus of the Gemaras in Erevin and Chagiga assumes that the debate is over Ohel Zaruk Shmei Ohel or not, which seems to assume the Tuma is in the ground, not in the airspace. So now the answer is, as Rab Chaim said in Rabbeinu Hananel, that the interpretation of Rebbe and Rebbe Yossi, Rebbe Yehuda arguing over Ohel Zaruk or not is not limited to the view of Mishum Gusha, that there's only Ohel over the ground, but even according to Tumas Avir, we have to have that interpretation. So that explains why the Rambam rules Tumas Avir, and it's not in conflict with the consensus of the Gemara's reading of Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda. The third question was, why when the Rambam records Rebbe's opinion that the person in the box is Tameh, he explains it based on the idea that an Ohel Zaruk is not an Ohel, so there's nothing blocking between this person and the ground. Why didn't he say much more simply in line with his ruling that there's Tumas Avir? The Gemara itself suggests that as an interpretation of Rebbe. So Rab Chaim had suggested that maybe the Gemara is talking about an open box on top and the Rambam is talking about a closed box all around. So even Tumas Avir wouldn't make the person Tameh unless Ohel Zaruk is not a valid Ohel. But that was a problematic suggestion because why would the Rambam codify a case that's different than the case of the Gemara and then explain it using a different reasoning than the one in the Gemara itself? So now says Rab Chaim, the Rambam could even be talking about an open box and still he requires the rule of Ohel Zaruk is not an Ohel because if it was an Ohel, then that would block the Tumas Avir because since this is an unusual entry, so in general there is no Tumas Avir as one approach in the Gemara says. So why according to Rebbe should the person be Tameh? So that's why the Rambam answered because since an Ohel Zaruk is not a valid Ohel, the person themselves is an Ohel over the ground. So that's why according to Rebbe, there is Tumas Avir in this case. So according to the Rambam, the Tuma is not because they're hovering over the ground. The Tuma is because of Tumas Avir, because the person is in a state of Ohel over the ground. So that's how Rab Chaim makes sense of the language and the presentation of the Rambam of this topic in Halacha and how it fits in with the discussion of the Gemara. And Rab Chaim concludes by saying that this all only works in Rabbeinu Hananel's interpretation of the Gemara because according to him, there is proof from the Brisa of the person going into Eretz Ha'amim on a boat that it must be because of Tumas Avir. Again, because he holds in Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda, that Ohel Zaruk is a valid Ohel. So the only way for the person on the boat to become Tameh is because of Tumas Avir. But according to the Mefarish, we can't explain the Rambam's rulings because his interpretation of the Gemara has no absolute proof that there's Tumas Avir because the Brisa of the person standing on the boat could be because of Tumas Gusha from the ground because in Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda, he holds that an Ohel Zaruk is not in Ohel. So it would be possible to argue, it would be a little bit forced in that brisa, but one could suggest that the Tuma comes from the ground through the boat because it's a moving Ohel. So Rab Chaim's interpretation of the Rambam, that there's proof from the brisa for Tumas Avir, works within Rabbeinu Hananel's interpretation and not the Mefarish. So this is Rab Chaim's approach to explain the rulings of the Rambam. It's a bit on the technical side, but there is a conceptual point that Rab Chaim 
articulates, which is that even according to the view of the Gemara, that there's independent Tumas Abir. So that's a new form of transferring Tumah that we don't find anywhere in Halacha, that it comes through the air. But even that is not totally unrelated to the issue of Tumas Ohel, because there are times in an unusual entry when Tumas Avir follows the rules and criteria from Tomas Ohel.